Hello, hello, and welcome to Unverified, the podcast helping you redefine success on social media. I'm your host, Coralie Trigger. If we haven't met yet, hey, it's nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. I'm an Emmy-winning creator and digital consultant, and I'm here to talk about all things social media and digital marketing with a little twist. And that is, I don't care how many followers you have. (laughs) It's true. I really don't. And I know that sounds maybe unusual at best coming from somebody in social, but hear me out. I don't care how big your audience is because for brands and businesses, social media platforms are just tools like silverware. You know, it doesn't really matter how large or beautiful or expensive your collection of antique spoons are if you're trying to eat a salad. You know, you just need a fork. And I mean, antique spoon collections sound cool, I guess. And if you have the time and passion for it, great. But when it comes to eating your salad, it just doesn't matter. And that's how I feel about focusing on growing large followings, going viral, and getting your account verified. They're all great sometimes, and they certainly have a place and can be helpful, but it's best to focus on your needs first. So that's why I make a conscious effort to turn away from digital vanity numbers in favor of focusing on real-life goals that digital strategy can support. That's my style anyway. So let's talk about today's episode. Today's guest is Julie Lee Simpson, a former Oprah show producer turned Nashville realtor who is getting started on social media in a professional way for the very first time. More with Julie Lee right after this. Today's episode of Unverified is being brought to you from the heart of East Nashville at the Russell, a historic church transformed into a one-of-a-kind boutique hotel. The Russell's mission is to give back to the Nashville community through their Rooms for Rooms program. They donate a portion of every stay to local organizations that provide a safe haven for those in need in the Nashville community. Visit RussellNashville.com to book your experience today. I am so excited to have my friend Julie Lee Simpson on the show today as my first official guest of Unverified. She is an Oprah show producer turned Nashville realtor who is learning about the social media landscape for the first time in a new career. We first met a few years ago while producing a talk show in Nashville, and she is an absolute delight. I believe the best digital strategies are based in storytelling. So of course, I had to start by hearing hers. She talked about growing up, rearranging furniture, what it was like producing home makeover shows on Oprah and beginning her career as a Nashville realtor. And then of course we get into all of her social media. Her digital goals now are all about making social media feel second nature and fun and beneficial, even though she still has a very strong affinity for her electric typewriter. Please enjoy my conversation with Julie Lee Simpson. Julie Lee Simpson, I'm so excited that you're here and we are finally doing this. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. This is super cool. Super cool studio. Thank you for having me. Shout out to the Russell. Yes, of course. I So I know that both of our natural states is to talk until the cows come home. Yeah. So I want to <laughs> jump into it before I get more distracted. Um, I want to start with your love of homes because I think you are quite possibly the only person in the world who has had this experience of falling in love with homes on the Oprah Winfrey show. Yeah. I mean, I love decorating, interior decorating since I was a kid. I was constantly um, rearranging furniture. Um, I remember on, even when I was a teenager on Friday nights, if I didn't have plans, I would rearrange my furniture, my mom's furniture. <laughs> you know, I just love doing it and I could never get enough of it. Did she appreciate your rearranging of her furniture? She did. And and then she would change it constantly. Like my oh, dad cool. would come home and be like, dad gum, where's the sofa now? <laughs> You know, so it was, it was constant. It was constant. So I definitely got that gene from my mom. That's where it started. And then what happened to it when you were producing for the Oprah Winfrey show and you were working on 
home home renos. Well, I got an assignment to work with Nate Burkus. So, and just in case there there's anybody listening who is not as obsessed with him as I am and me his, <laughs> and his target collection, which is his work in my price range. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about Nate Burgess and, and really, because he got a start on the Oprah show, right? He did. He did. Um, we like to say that he was discovered on the Oprah show. Um, you know, the Oprah show was filmed in, in uh, Chicago and that's where he lived. And he was an inter- very, very successful interior designer there in Chicago and then we asked him to come on the show. And I remember his first makeover. It was a small space makeover. And to this day, I believe that's one of the best makers I've seen anywhere. It was phenomenal what he did. People should Google it. Small oh, wow. Nate Burkus's first Oprah show uh, makeover, small space makeover. So, you know, we knew clearly, oh, my gosh, this guy's the real deal. And it was just so interesting working with him and seeing how he made decisions. And, I mean, he really is a wizard and that he can see what's not there. You know, I mm. love decorating and I think I have decent taste, but I, I not like him. I mean, he's just on another level. I think yeah. really great designers are like that. So anyhow, I worked with, got assigned to him and, um, and I just got to the point where I loved it. I wanted to do that more than celebrities, you know, more than, you know, newsmakers, headliners. I mean, I just only wanted to do home makeovers and uh, so we worked together for a bunch of years. And like I said, we, we started out doing uh, room makeovers and then we did a couple of house makeovers. We did a house in Seattle where it was a it was a ranch house and he built a second story and an extra house in the back yard oh for the kids. It was like a kid's playhouse and music room. And mm-hmm. um, and then we we uh, bought a house in Chicago for a woman who had taken she had she was a single mom. Um, a vet and had taken in her brother's six kids and they were all living in a one bedroom apartment. So Oprah bought them a house Mm -hmm. in Chicago and um, ended up the house did not, the house needed a lot of work. So that was a big project working on that. Um, But I loved it. I loved working with the vendors, with the contractor. Um, And then once we got everything, you know, up to code and where it needed to be, Nate stepped in and then worked his magic. And it was, it, it was just really, really fun. So for people who are not familiar with television producers and even television producers who are not familiar with the Oprah show budget and way of working, what, what was that process like for you getting assigned the, getting the assignment and working with Nate and working with the team? What was your role in, in all of that? So my role as the producer was to work closely with Nate to make sure that what he wanted got implemented. Um, you know, you always have to have contractors and vendors on hand, somebody to do the windows. We worked, I remember work, we did a lot of work with Pella windows and they were fantastic. Um, so you're juggling all the vendors, you're, you're juggling any kind of work that needs to be done on the house. You're also juggling the family. Typically we want, we would put the family up in a hotel because nobody wants to live in the middle of a, a, you know, a home renovation. Mm-hmm. So we would do that sort of thing. Um, and then just, and then comes the creative part of how are we going to reveal this on television, you know, mm-hmm. and what we're, the family's going to see this, this, their new home, that's going to look completely unlike their original home. You know, how can we best pull off this surprise and make it, you know, fabulous for them and the audience? Did you have a favorite surprise when you were on the show? Yeah, we did a makeover uh, for a woman named Bernadette. She's the woman that single mom, veteran, 
three kids and took in her brother's six children mm-hmm. in, in a, in a one bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. So um, when Oprah gave her the news, what we had did, it was really fun. We started off just treating the kids to a shopping spree at Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had done the shopping spree. And, and, and this is really cool because Bernadette worked at Starbucks and all of her Starbucks colleagues initiated this massive mail campaign. And this is when people sent us mail, you know, wrote letters, physical, that kind of thing, physical, physical letters. Oh yeah, this gosh. is back in the olden days. <laughs> so we were just getting just tons and tons of mail. So about this woman, Bernadette. So finally, I think, um, I think somebody went to Bernadette and went to Starbucks where she worked and kind of spied on her and and thought, yeah, this is (laughs) going to be a real, this is a really neat lady. Uh So, um, so somehow I don't remember the surprise of telling her we're going to send, we're going to give the kids a shopping spree because this is around the holidays, Mm -hmm. but we did that. The kids did the shopping spree and then we had them, we said, we'll come back on the show because we want you to, we want, um, you know, we want to, we filmed the shopping spree and we want to show that to our viewers and we want to ask you, you know, how fun was that? So she comes back to the show and and she thinks she's just there to talk about the shopping spray. And of course, Oprah pulls her up on stage. And, and it's so funny because usually when that happens, people are nervous. You can tell they're starting to sweat. They're like, yeah. I wasn't prepared for this. So Oprah pulls her up on stage and and uh, and Nate and she pulls Nate Nate up on stage, too. And she goes um, and we had Nate there for some other reason, like Nobody knew that Bernadette and Nate were connected. If you're following me, Nate uh-huh. was there for a different segment. Yeah. So she just tell, tells her, well, you know, how was your shopping spray? It, Bernadette's you can, deer in the headlights. It was fine. <laughs> it was good. And uh, Oprah says, well, we've got another surprise for you. And she goes, we're giving you a house. And so, <laughs> oh you know, it, so the audience went wild. Bernadette, yeah. I remember just, she was so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was complete joy in her face, relief in her face. And of course the children, the children started crying. You know, we were all crying. It it takes a lot to make me cry. And, and I think I, as we say in the business, squirted a tear that day. (laughs) Um, So it was, yeah, I remember that very well, very well. Even for me as someone who's been around television production for the last decade, it's, Still, it's hard for me to wrap my head around the magic of producing some of these, you know, I- iconic television history making Oprah show moments mm-hmm. for you for these big, crazy TV reveals. What was and I and I ask because I know it's easy to get caught up in, in the work of it. What was the most magical part for you? Um, you know, we, we tried to pick people who had a story. Mm-hmm. we felt were deserving. And um, so you would get caught up in those people's stories. So I like Bernadette with the nine children, you know, I know Nate was very aware. I was very aware. Is this house safe for them? You know, mm-hmm. everything we did, we would think about the safety of it. Um, it was what, what was also magical is that everybody that's involved, you know, a makeover takes hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you have landscapers, you have, you have a general contractor, you have, to, you have somebody who comes in and does the kitchen, somebody else does the bathrooms. And there was such a willingness on all these people's parts to do their best, to give their best. We, we never, I don't ever, ever remember having to squabble with anybody over the quality of the work or the quality of the merchandise they were giving us. I think everybody felt 
you know, and of course we would tell the vendors, this is this person's story. This is this family story. This is why we think they really deserve this. And they all, they, they all fell under that spell of, I want to do my best because these people deserve the best. And so that was, that was really special. And to come in and see people doing things, people going over the top, people going beyond what we had, what we had discussed, you know, in a good way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it would choke me up at times because I just Uh thought they don't have to be doing this. They're already giving us their best and it's great and it's terrific. And then they go beyond or say, you know, what if we do this? You know, um, what if we, you know, with Bernadette's house, somebody came in and said, somebody heard about what we were doing and said, well, what did they, all those kids need computers. What if we put a whole room in the basement where we make it like this great study area for the, for the kids? Oh, wow. You know, so it was, and that's kind of stuff would happen constantly with, with everybody, everybody that was involved. It was just, it was always fun and just a great, um, just a great sense of goodwill. And now doing real estate yourself, how has that, the energy that you loved of the Oprah show, how does that manifest now in working with buyers in Nashville? Well, I think buying a house, it's a new beginning. It's a new chapter Mm -hmm. and everything, anything is possible. And I think um, by, by having the privilege of working with Nate and other designers, I, I learned a little bit about, okay, well, you could put this here. You could do that. You could maybe take down this wall. Um, and I think that's helpful for, for me because I'm able to help my clients see the potential and the promise of a space. But overall, just, you know, I think it's so exciting. Anytime I've moved and I, I love the moving process isn't so, so much fun, but like setting up my new house. I mean, I could do that. I could do that every day of my life. I just love, you know, decorating and fixing up things. Something that we have now that wasn't necessarily a part of the, uh, the Oprah show back in the olden days. Yeah. Yeah. You can say it. You can say it. In the olden days is social media. Yes. Um, how has that played a part in this new career for you? Oh, a huge part. And it's so funny because I remember I was working on the uh, on the Oprah show when um, social media, I guess, was coming about or becoming mainstream. And we were so suspect of it, you know, um, so. <laughs> as every television producer was and kind of still is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, as I mean, there's no, there is no I mean, I don't, I don't think you can exist in hardly any business today without being without having a presence on social media. Yeah, um, I have had I have had to um, completely change. I have had to embrace it mm-hmm. very begrudgingly because it, you know, I wasn't I didn't do my homework on a computer. I did it again back in the in the dark ages where, you know, we had spiral bound notebooks. Incursive. And, yeah. Incursive. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, when I graduated high school, I got a typewriter, an electric oh typewriter. Wait, are you being serious right now? I'm being totally serious. Oh and my that gosh. was like, that was the bomb, my electric <laughs> typewriter. And in my dorm, everyone would want to borrow it. And I had it on this special table on wheels. So it was like, don't, don't mess it up. Don't hurt my electric typewriter. So oh my yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Ancient, ancient. I don't even think I know what an electric typewriter is. Oh my gosh. What? Well, and we all had to take typing. I don't think kids today have to take typing. I, did, I will say I am squarely in the middle of the millennial range and I did have to take typing in, I believe it was sixth grade. Yeah. I had to take a typing class, but I do remember 
getting on AIM like the following summer in my typing improved dramatically yeah. when I was talking with friends versus yeah. like typing the sentences that they wanted us to type over yeah. and over again. I'm still, I still got you there. <laughs> still far. It's the very tail helpful end of that. that I know how to type and I can almost type as fast, you know, from doing a million interviews in my TV days, I can type as fast as people talk. So I will give you that. that. You are a very fast typer. Thank you. It's kind of astounding. Thank you. It's another, another skill I have. <laughs> um, so when you were, when you were working on all these home makeovers, you know, we know as, as TV producers that shows, um, you know, that shows don't last forever. Did you have a seed then in the back of your mind that you wanted to do something? Oh yeah. Homes? Yeah. Working with Nate, I mean, pretty soon into, to my, um, my work relationship with Nate, I, I thought this, this is, this is my jam. This is my thing. Um, I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. Um, so I, yeah, I knew before I, I, and my mother was a realtor, realtor and she was great at it. And, uh, I think it felt like a way to connect with her. Mm -hmm. Um, it felt like it was in, she, I just felt like I, I don't want to say called to it. That feels really super corny, but I felt like, um, it was one of those moments where the clouds parted and the universe was telling me, let's look at going this direction, Julie, let's, let's. Let's um let's think about this. Yeah. It's one thing to get that kind of nudge and to have the clouds parting moment. It's an entirely different one to actually take the steps to do it. Yeah. And change careers after you had a you know, a wildly successful, incredibly specific career for many years. What what um was that change actually like? Um, it was really hard. And if I had known how hard it was going to be, I might not have done it. I'd probably be producing television somewhere else right now. Oh, wow. um, so it was, yeah, I went from having a very successful career. I was with Oprah for 20 years mm-hmm. and I got to a point where, well, after, after, and, and then I worked, I worked, I continued producing for Oprah after the Oprah Winfrey show for the own network. Mm-hmm. And then that ended. And I thought, you know, I wonder, and, and also for all the time I worked with Oprah, it, you know, it was a phenomenal gift and a privilege and something I will treasure to my last day. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, I, you know, when I would get invitations to parties and things, I, sometimes I would wonder, do you want me there or are you wanting me because of my connection to Oprah? Do you think mm-hmm. I'm going to, I don't know you know, curry favor for you, for her, you know, I, I, because there's times where that that's happened. And I also wanted to know what, what could I achieve on my own without her, without being attached to her name? Does that make sense? You know, could I stand, could I, could I make a successful career out of, um, my name, Julie Lee Simpson? Could I, could I, if I worked as hard as I did in television for myself, how far could I go? How much could I achieve? Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm glad I'm doing it, but it was, you know, change is hard. I think any kind of change and after being, uh, you know, we were phenomenally fortunate to be able to work on the same show for 20 years. Yeah. That's very, it's unheard of. Um, yeah, very, very rare. And I think too, when it all ended, I was ready to be done with television. I felt like the stuff I, I felt like I, I had meet, got to meet so many of my heroes Stevie Nick, Steven Tyler, so many other people. Um, and so it just, I just felt like, okay, that chapter's done. It's time. It's time to do something else. What was, 
what was maybe, uh, what was the hardest part and maybe something that was unexpectedly hard? Well, unexpected, um, the hard part's learning. The hard part is learning and failing. The hard part is that for 20 years, uh, I was a su- success. Mm-hmm. Everything I did succeeded. I, I put on shows and they, I produced shows and they went on television. Mm-hmm. And, you know, starting new in real estate, I had to, I had to learn, I had to learn this entire new industry. And that was hard. And it was hard being in that position of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also really difficult because I was fortunate that I had assistants who would do social media for me. Um, and, in other, you know, television producing jobs I had after Oprah. Yeah. Um, so I had to learn, uh, I still don't know how to do Excel today. I had other people that would do that stuff for me. I was very privileged to be in that position. And so that was very frustrating and learning to do social media by myself, not having somebody else doing it. Mm -hmm. It it was, it was really, really frustrating and and, and hard. And I, I wanted to resist it. Um, You did. I wanted to resist it. I just wanted it to go away. Um, But I knew it's not going to, and I've just, you know, it's, it's, it's part of our language and I have to, it is a language of its own and I have to learn that language. And I'd like to think I've come a long ways. You have come so long. So you've come so far. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. But it it took a minute. You you definitely had your chapter of resisting, but I think what I have to say is I do have to commend you for deciding that you want to learn, you know, like it's one thing, you know, I see, I see people, um, decide that they're going to hire somebody to take care of their social media. and They don't totally understand. Um, I, I don't think that, I think you could probably go the rest of your life without understanding Excel and you'd, <laughs> and you'd be okay. But I think the upside to learning social media and keeping up with it is um, that return is, you know, tenfold. Yeah. And it's critical. And, and I'm at the point too, where you do, I would like to say this to all the people of my age, of a certain age, 50, 50 plus, yeah. that um, you will get to, if you can get past, if you just keep pushing through the resistance. Um, my sister told me this great quote from Winston Churchill, when you feel like you're going through hell, keep going. Uh-huh. So just keep going, <laughs> keep pushing through it. Because when you get to the other side, which is where I think I am now, mm-hmm. when I hear about a new app, I, I get excited. And when I see how these apps um, simplify things for me and make mm-hmm. me, you know, make me a better realtor, um, make my life better, make my daily routine better. That's it's nice to be in this spot now, yeah. you know, where I can appreciate it. And I see, oh, my gosh, how did we do things before this? Yeah. Oh, I, well, I'm so excited to hear you say that because I do have a timestamp from. Gosh, it was right after Pickler and Ben. So what was that? Two, is that two and a half years now? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't have, really have a sense of time during the pandemic. I, I know. Like, <laughs> went out the window. But I do remember having a conversation with you about Instagram and you asking if you had to download it on your phone or if you could do it on the computer. Yeah. No, Julie, <laughs> you cannot do it on the computer. Like, no, but are you sure? Because I think that would, I would really prefer that. That would work better for me if I could post Instagram yeah. on the computer. Like, I don't know how to tell you this any other way, but we're going to need to download the app 
and I'm going to show you and it's going to be okay. <laughs> and it was, it, <laughs> and it was. was, yes, it was. And you, you've, um, yeah, you were an excellent guide and, and I was not easy to, to guide. <laughs> you were not the most difficult to guide. Well, <laughs> but uh. I, I appreciate you being open. And, and I think that's really important to, to let people know, even millennials who are like, rolling their eyes about TikTok or like anytime something new comes out, it's like, nope, I've hit capacity. It's like, okay, you're going to just like go ride your horse and buggy too. Like, come on, man. Like Pull out your electric typewriter. <laughs> yeah. Julie's got a wheelie cart for it somewhere. Be careful with it now. It was expensive. <laughs> so I am so ready to take this to the next level um, and continue talking about social media. Um, before we go to a quick commercial break, I want to ask if I could now, now knowing what you know about social, if I could wave a magic wand for you and grant all of your social media wishes, besides making it possible to post on Instagram online <laughs> on your desktop, what would that wish be? That's a great question. I think it would be that social media becomes more of an ingrained and organic part of my life. Yeah. Right now I have on my desk, you know, my daily to do's, there's always social media. Like today I need to do social media. What am, what am I going to do? Yep. Today coming here for this podcast, which is happening here at the gorgeous Russell hotel in East Nashville. Yeah. I'd never been inside this space. So walking inside the space, which used to be a church and there's these two massive, gigantic, beautiful, um, stained glass windows. I mean, it just overwhelmed me. It's so beautiful. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to share this. And so I took photos oh, and put them on social media. And that's one of, that was, that was a new feeling for me. Yeah. Rather than like, okay, I have to post social to me- media today. What am I going to do? Everything's mm-hmm. better shared. Pretty much everything's better shared. So I think I'm finally starting to to flow into that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a huge so. step, especially for um, someone who didn't grow up with it. Like it's not, you know, it's not second nature. It's, you know. No, that's what I want. It's that, not the electric typewriter. <laughs> right, right. I, I want it to be second nature where okay. I have absolutely no fear of it, where it's just, a, it's a part of what I do every day. Well, let's work on a plan to help get you there. Well, if anybody's going to get me there, it's going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a quick break and be right back. Unverified is supported by Doodle Different, a little book of places to start. With unique drawing prompts and hashtags on each page, Doodle Different is the place where offline creativity meets online community. It's a celebration of imagination. Get your copy or digital download on doodledifferent.com and use the code UNVERIFIED for 15% off. That's UNVERIFIED, like the name of this podcast, for 15% off at doodledifferent.com. Happy doodling! I think making social less scary and a more organic part of your life is and work is a really, it's a really great place to start because that, that foundation sets you up for success across mm-hmm. the board. Um, a couple of things just like right off the top and then we'll get into, we can get into some specifics, but in terms of making it organic, I think I, I talked to a lot of TV producers who are really concerned with producing their brand or their aesthetic or creating content. You hear, you hear people identify as content creators. Another way that you can look at it is, um, 
instead of as, as instead of as a TV producer, look at it as a documentary filmmaker. So instead of like needing to produce moments, you capture them as you come as you come across them, just like you did walking into this building. I just had that today. <laughs> yeah. <Poor me. laughs> so you know, walking into this space and seeing the beautiful uh, stained glass and wanting to share it, um, thinking about. Uh, you know, whether, whether you're thinking about like texting a friend, like if you're going to take a picture and text a friend, take a picture and post it on social. Um, or if you, uh, are thinking about something like, oh man, I need to remember to tell a client this, or you're walking into a beautiful home and you, and you think, oh man, like this is like new home buyers really need to like, this is great for, you know, people need to know about this. People need to know about it. You, you you can tell them right then and there by just recording a quick video. Um, you can picture having like a little, um, like a, a potential buyer on your shoulder, like someone who's like thinking about buying a home. Just like your little like potential home buying elf. <laughs> we can like put a little like cartoon, we'll draw it out and like stick it on all your notebooks. Right, and it's like, right. what does the elf need to know? Um, or like, oh, I should I tell that. this. I love that. <laughs> Whatever. Well, and it happens. It happens all the time. It yeah. happens every day. Yeah. And but just taking it that little step further of, let me put this on social media, and giving yourself permission for it to not look perfect. I see this a lot. Oh, with, that's so hard. That's so- like coming from my background <laughs> where I mean every sentence was just labored. Every sentence of a show script. So much blood and sweat went into that one <laughs> sentence to yeah. chew. So that's that's how I was raised was to, if you're going to put something out there, if you're going to present something, it's got to be beyond perfect. So no, that's been hard. No, it, it absolutely is. And I will, I'll maybe, I don't know if this is going to make it harder or easier. Well, hopefully it'll... <laughs> Hopefully this will make it a little bit easier, but hopefully <laughs> also hopefully it also won't be too depressing. There, the only thing that matters is that you're putting stuff out there that resonates with people. Mm-hmm. So they're either learning something, or they're laughing, or they're you know identifying with with something that they can connect with. They can see it and hear it and understand it, and they resonate with it on some level. That's the only thing that matters, and I think. Nothing exemplifies that more than (laughs) this YouTube video comparison. On one hand, you have the Super Bowl commercials, right? Mm -hmm. That are like traditionally produced with Mm -hmm. A-list talent, huge sets, million dollar budgets Mm -hmm. that have a ton of views. And you also have cat videos shot on like a version one iPhone from, you know, however many years ago, that's just a cat. watch cat videos all day. Right. Right. And that cat's not, didn't go through hair and makeup. You know, (laughs) that cat's not well lit. You might hear some kids (laughs) screaming in the background, but it doesn't matter as long as you're seeing the cat and you're hearing, you're resonating with it in some way. And it gets that message across. There are cat videos on the internet that have generated more ad revenue on YouTube than Super Bowl commercials. You know, that blows my mind. That blows my mind. But it makes sense. It does. It does. You know? It does. And in and and, and, and production used to be this big, scary, labor-intensive thing yes. that was um, that was a really, uh, had a high barrier to entry. You know, you really, yes. you had to have, have access and you were shooting with like huge studio lights and whatever. And now we have production studios in the 
in our palm, in the palm of our hands. And, and it, while, you know, I can, I can hear like lighting friends listening to this being like, don't you dare correlate, don't you dare. (laughs) But the, and, and, and the reality is that there is absolutely still a place for that. Yeah. But and, and it might show up that way every once in a while on your social, yeah. but that doesn't have to be the standard. The standard has to be what you're communicating and you can create your own kind of aesthetic around that. You don't want that to be a reason that you don't post, yeah. that it yeah. doesn't like look perfect. Because if we go through your Instagram right now, I bet there's there are things that like you spent a ton of time on that did okay. And then things that you did that just randomly and it, you know, blew up for you. Yeah. People were super yeah. excited about. Yeah. So that's something to kind of, to kind of keep in mind too. Um, another thing about um, it being organic is doing some kind of schedule. And this I think would be, would feel really natural with your TV background mm-hmm. that you say, okay, my Instagram is my show and you have different segments. So you know that, you know, you've got your home makeover segments, you've got your, you know, we can you right, draw right. analogies to right. every kind of segment you've ever done, which is right. all of them. Um, and you can tell different kinds of stories. Yeah. So sometimes it's, uh, hey, look at this beautiful home. Sometimes it's, um, you know, doing different tours. You're like showing a buyer around and they go into yes. another room and yeah. you say, hey guys, real quick, I'm here in East Nashville looking at this home. I just wanted to show you aren't these blinds the most gorgeous things? If you're buying a home, mm-hmm. know this adds whatever kind of, I don't know if mm-hmm. blinds add value. I'm making well, shit up over do. here. Shutters do. Oh, shutters okay. add value to your home because you can't remove them. Anything that uh, is, 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 is attached to the walls mm-hmm. that um, that's part of the, that's part of the real estate. So shutters are attached to the walls, to the windows. So they do add value, a lot of value to your house. And I look forward to learning about that again on your reels next week. <laughs> but things, things like that, you know, like anything that you're noticing and thinking about. I'm making a note of that. I got shutters oh. in my house and I've yet to put them on the social yes. media, Coralie. Tell us about the Get shutters. <laughs> anything that, um, anything that you would verbalize to a potential buyer or a potential seller, mm-hmm. verbalize it on your social media so that we can, we can all learn together. I want to be conscious of time. So let's maybe let's do a little bit of brainstorming. Let's talk about, um, you know, knowing, keep keeping in mind this pandemic that we're fingers crossed towards the end of. Um, and you know, that's, that's created this kind of mass exodus from big cities. How has that affected, uh, your, how has that affected your, your work? Oh my gosh. It is, um, it is insane. And that's, I'm not, that's not hyperbole. It mm-hmm. is, it is, um, it, it, we're living in crazy days with real estate because so many people have learned that they don't need to live close to the city. They can do their work from home or they don't mind a big commute if, if it's only, if they only have to be in the office two or three days a week. Mm-hmm. So it is turning the real estate market, not just in Nashville, um, everywhere. It's just upending it. Um, in Nash, Nashville is one of the cities that's in the most high demand right now. We have so many people, um, I've heard from 80 to a hundred people moving here on a daily basis, even during COVID, it did not slow down. Um, and, uh, there's just so, there's just so much more demand for housing here than there is, um, the supply. And that's even true in the rental market. I have a client 
from, that, from Chicago that I'm trying to find a rental for. And, you know, I, we're in the same pickle where it's like, if you see something you like, you need to, you need to apply for it right then and out, right then and there. You can't take a couple of days to think about it because it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And houses today in Nashville, um, I had a couple that uh, put, uh, they put two offers on two different houses and both of those houses sold for more than $50,000 over listing. You know, in areas like Brentwood, there are houses that are selling for a hundred thousand dollars. A hundred. I have one friend. I have one friend, and she has a client who's the backup offer. That means if the primary offer falls through, then her clients get to buy the house, mm-hmm. and they their their bid was one hundred and twenty five thousand over asking, and oh they're in God. second place. They're in. They're the backup offer. Ugh. So it is just. It's very. It's it's a very aggressive market. I mean, you have to really strategize. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, uh, it's not just all about money. Money is obviously a huge deal, but you know, mm-hmm. it's about making offers that if you don't have the money, how can you make it more appealing to the seller? So it's, I, it's an exciting time to be a real estate agent in this market because it is kind of like the, the wild west and you, you, you can't, um, you've really got to be in it. If yeah. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. because it's, things are moving so quickly. Um, so that to me feels like a really natural series, you know, whether it's you, I mean, you could do it every day for a week. You could do it like once a week where you're talking about these things, like how, if you, how to negotiate a crazy market. Yeah. How to navigate it for first time buyers for, um, for people who have bought before, for people Mm -hmm. who have the money to, Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, double the asking price <laughs> yeah, yeah. and for the people who don't like yeah. how, how do you make, um, how do you make a good offer if you don't, if you don't have money and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, that could be direct to camera mm-hmm. that could be walking around Nashville. I mean, you could really, you could record those, um, when you're walking Jasper, you know, that you, you've got your sunglasses on and your hat on or whatever. You're just like walking around Nashville, looking at beautiful homes and you just do it selfie style and say, you know, hey, everybody, I know that the market's really crazy. I and, and everyone thinks that you have to offer like five times the asking price <laughs> on everything. And while that's true, a lot of the time, um, I wanted to share some other ways that you could make valuable. Offer. I mean, I think that I think that's really valuable. It's really timely. That's a good um, idea. That's a good idea. And it's something that you it's a conversation that you would be having with your buyers yeah. anyway. So even things that are not necessarily visual, but things that you, if you say it to like more than one client, like you find yourself repeating something, you absolutely need to put it online. That's a great idea. If I, <laughs> Cause there are things that I say over and over and over. And actually yeah. I just started as part of my packets that I give to my clients, I've started writing things up and putting them in the packet, but this mm-hmm. is, that's the modern way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making I mean, a note to myself. Okay, great. Yeah. And even like going through, going through your, your packet and setting things. So having some kind of, you know, some kind of posting schedule. Um, all right. So let's see. So we've talked about, yeah, making uh, social publishing, posting kind of like an organic part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about topical things. Like if you, if you say something to a client, uh, a couple times, make sure to post it on social. Mm-hmm. If you are walking through a home and you think about something that adds value, I don't think you can say negative things. 
So maybe not if it loses. Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't want to do, there's enough negativity in this world. I would yeah. not want to do that. Um, I mean, unless it was something egregious, I suppose. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would prefer to, to point out the, the positive things. Things that, that add value. Add, yeah. Um, if you if you if you're saying it to a client, if you're thinking about saying it to to a client, if you want to text it to a friend, um, if you want to take a picture of it for yourself, like all of those things can can be put online. It's so good to hear you say that because I think I have su- whenever I'm getting ready to post something, I think is this worthy? Mm. Is this worthy? Mm-hmm. And coming from my background, I mean, we're millions of viewers watch the shows that we produce. I think yeah. I'm still stuck in that headset, that, that mindset of, um, is this, is this good enough? Mm. Is it that, is it valuable enough? So let's set some different standards on worth, because I think that's a fair question. Mm-hmm. Is this worth posting? Is this worthy? And I think the answer is yes. If it provides value, if you know that you're, if you're if your dream client looks at that post, if they're going to laugh or they're going to learn something mm-hmm. or um, they're going to feel like seen, heard, or understood, then it's, then you absolutely it's, it's need got to post value. it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, that, that feels, I just feel like <laughs> it's doable. <laughs> the clouds parted again. <laughs> Another, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not as, it's not as intimidating as it, I have, I have made it to be in my head. You you're, know? you're not alone. I will give you that. Like it is, it is, it has been super hyped up. And I know that, you know, Instagram for a long time with, with the filters and there was this like pressure to like be perfect and show up and have the right a- angle and like whatever. But the trend now, especially with TikTok is, is authenticity. And the reality of social is that it's, they're just tools. That's it. That they're just tools. So you use them in a way that helps you, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're trying to eat a salad, don't use a spoon. Like right, that's right, right. not helpful. <laughs> um, you know, if you're trying to fling peas across the room, yes, use a spoon, preferably a plastic one. You know, right, like right. F- figure out what you want. And and for you, what I'm hearing is like building this sense of community and establishing your authority in the space. Um, yeah. And you can do that by just capturing your day to day. And, and, and it's, and it's so much easier said than done. Like, I don't want to make it sound like it doesn't take any time at all. Um, but the, your producing background is like, like stories haven't changed, right? Beginning, middle, end. Exactly. A good story is a good story. Yes. Since the beginning of time. Whether it was written on an electric typewriter or it was. <laughs> yes. It's a social. It. It's an Instagram story. <laughs> it's still the same. Beginning, middle, end. You know, provide, you know, you, you understand what your client's pain points are and you are, um, you're responding to them. If you're ever stuck, I recommend the site um, answerthepublic.com. You can type in Nashville real estate. It's essentially a, um, a visualizer of what people are searching on Google. So um, it'll tell you if you type in like Nashville real estate or buying a home in Nashville or Nashville realtor or or whatever, um, it'll tell you questions that people are asking Google related to that topic. And you can answer 
all of those questions. Those are great for blog posts. That's Help, awesome. Helps with that's SEO. Great to know. I'm writing that down. Um, yeah. So that's that's another one. But um, yeah, there there are kind of you know there are a couple circles, and we and we've talked about this before. If we're thinking about this in terms of a Venn diagram, we you know we've spent a lot of time in in this session talking about the circle of you and what your story is, and also the circle of your you know potential clients. Mm -hmm. Um, the third circle is the, is the social platform and that's, you know, making sure you're speaking the language of the platform. And the the goal of all social platforms is to keep people on that platform, Mm -hmm. um, because they are in the business of collecting data and selling ads. So the longer people stay on the platform, the more data they're able to collect about them, the more ads they're able to sell. So something else that you can think about once you have your idea for your post, you, you know, it's worthy because you know, it's going to like make somebody laugh or they're going to learn something or it's going to resonate with them in some way. The next step is to figure out how to optimize it for whatever platform you're posting on. So I would definitely recommend a call to action. I would recommend replying to every single person in the comments, um, doing whatever you can to keep people on the, on it as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So that could be like as, um, a carousel post, like people can swipe through and mm-hmm. see, multiple photos. Um, it could be like a, a question that you're asking people to respond to in the comments. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be any number of things. Um, but that would be kind of the, the final push mm-hmm. in, the, in the piece in every okay. post. But I think mentally that, that first hurdle getting in the habit of just, of just posting yeah. is, is a really, is a really great goal. I think it's super doable. Um, and I think you know, you're, you're, you're always meeting with interesting people and you're in interesting spaces and there's no shortage. Um, but yeah, turning, like flipping that producer brain, like fine tuning it a little bit so that it's not, it's not about like every single word or the image being perfect. It's about the, um, the reaction, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, on the other end of the screen and focusing on that feeling and that energy and what, and, and what you're trying to communicate as opposed to it being the the most polished thing polished, in the entire right, world. Right, right. Um, and people, you know, respond uh, authentically, you know, as, 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 as authentic as you're willing to be, that's yeah, how yeah. authentic your, your responses yeah. are going to be in your, your community will be with you online. Okay. That's great. Yeah. How you feeling? Empowered. Yay! Empowered. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's totally doable. I believe in you. You can do this. Well, that's, that's the beauty of you. And and one of your many talents is you're able to make me see the value of social media to myself. And you're able to really deconstruct all of my fears, um, surrounding it. Oh, I'm so So glad you make it accessible. (laughs) Well, um, I, I know we don't have a ton of time. Did you have any, do you have any social questions? You feeling ready to conquer the world? I really am. I really am. All right. Yeah, I feel really good. This was this was super helpful to me. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, thank you so much, Julie Lee Simpson, and I will see you on Instagram. Yay! My pleasure. Thank you for having me. To keep up with Julie Lee's Nashville Realtor Adventures, check out julieleesimpson.com and at Julie Lee Simpson on Instagram. We're booking new guests. Have a social media question or a digital specialty? I'd love to hear from you. Visit unverifiedpod.com and click be on the show. And for the latest with Unverified, check out unverifiedpod.com for show notes and at unverifiedpod on Instagram and TikTok for extra tips and hot takes. 
Unverified is produced by Trigger Creative, edited by Matt Fields, with special thanks to Zach Knudsen, Gwyn Rogers, and Abby White. Thanks for listening.